Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Propaganda Watch. I'm your host, as always, James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. And today on The D Program, we're going to be exploring an interesting campaign that was brought to my attention by CorbettReport.com member 8GC58, who left an interesting comment in the comment section at CorbettReport.com recently with a link to the Mozilla Foundation at foundation.mozilla.org, specifically their YouTube Regrets campaign. And when you go to that page, which of course I will link up in the show notes along with everything else, as always, you can see this welcome screen, this introduction, got YouTube regrets? Thousands do. And when you start to scroll down, you start to go down the rabbit hole. Oh, there's the Illuminati eye coming up. They told us about the videos they wished they'd never clicked. They That sent them down a rabbit hole that they never meant to go down and didn't know how to stop. Oh... Let's send a message to YouTube that they need to recommend responsibly. No regrets. <laughs> YOLO, y'all. <laughs> Wait, what? what's this about? What's going on here? Well, now you start to scroll down and you start to see these stories that they have compiled, stories that they have solicited from uh, subscribers to their email newsletter about YouTube regrets. So to get a handle on this, let's look, for example, at number one, a deadly fail which says, I started searching for fail videos where people fall or get a little hurt. I was then presented with a channel that showed dash cam videos from cars. At first, it was minor accidents, but later it transitioned into cars blowing up and falling off bridges. Videos where ple people clearly didn't survive the accident. I felt a little bit sick at that point and haven't really sought out that type of content after that. All right, so you get the idea here. These are going to be stories from people who clicked on some videos and started getting recommended videos that they were uncomfortable with. So you can see where this is going to go, but let's follow it down that particular rabbit hole. Uh, for example, number two is about a young girl watching dance videos who suddenly gets into body harming and body image damaging videos because they're being recommended to her and now she won't uh, eat and she won't drink and she's doing... Uh, harmful things. Uh, number three is particularly bizarre. <laughs> Stallions doing mares. I like watching horse sports videos or horse care information. YouTube, YouTube keeps pushing stallions doing mares at me. <laughs> Not my interest at all. <laughs> I don't know. I'm unfamiliar with that part of YouTube, I must admit. <laughs> uh, YouTube's drag race. Uh, yeah, I used to occasionally watch a drag uh, queen who did a lot of positive attention, confidence building videos and vlogs, but now my recommendations are full of anti-LGBT and sim similar hateful content. Um, but of course, they start to tip their hand around about number five, how I lost my father, talking about this person's stepfather, an 80-year-old scientist from Ecuador who likes to explore all sources of wisdom, theories, and knowledge, very literate and educated, enjoys discussing current events and scientific discoveries, but for a few years, he's become quite lonely and spends a large amount of time on the internet and on YouTube in particular. That's probably his first mistake. Uh, his curious mind quickly brought him toward alternative theories on multiple topics, conspiracies, conspiracies Illuminati, and other alien-based stories, Bible-inspired as well as radically anti-religious obscure worldviews, pyramidologists, etc. <laughs> I like this. Bible-inspired as well as radically anti-religious obscure worldviews. So <laughs> you can't be for the Bible. You can't be against the Bible. You have to be just the right amount of neutral <laughs> or else this person's going to be upset. <laughs> anyway, despite the fact that we tried to erase his YouTube history and clean his browser, his recommendations are completely filled by these kinds of esoteric videos with those recognizable synthetic TTS voiceover commentaries 
uh, endlessly proposing a similar video after another. And now he falls asleep watching these videos. His days are filled by such content. He's turned toward a, a grimmer and more pessimistic worldview. And it's impossible for us, his family, to fight against the recommendation algorithms. It's quite sad and frustrating to see a loved one bury oneself more and more into this kind of obscure, negative, and extremely confidence-depraving influence. Um, How I Lost My Father Part 2, about a father who's getting into UFOs and things like this, and free energy. And this person, who is concerned about his father's viewing habits on YouTube, spent hours trying to explain to him that YouTube is full of free energy scams, that the best UFO is maybe a little DARPA toy, and that aliens among us in plain clothes was simply delusion caused by YouTube videos. He could not come to grips with why people could be dishonest, or why the FCC wasn't doing their job and trusted what he saw on his TV way too much. He was consuming YouTube on his TV and maybe thought the same FCC kind of government regulation he was used to was still present there. How much better could our time have been if not for YouTube-induced delusions? All right, so now you start to see where this is going. Oh, this person is so unfortunately not that with it, that he thought the FCC is regulating YouTube the way they regulate what we see on TV. And... Because it isn't regulated, oh, he starts going down these rabbit holes. You know, crazy grandpa, or father in this case. Or there's the uh, X-Files story about an ex-wife with mental with mental health problems, presumably diagnosed mental health problems, who started watching conspiracy videos, and then YouTube just kept feeding her paranoia, fear, and anxiety one video after another. I kept begging her to stop, but she didn't. She couldn't. At one point, she believed a helicopter near the house was the government coming to take away her and my daughter away and called in a blind panic. Now she's convinced the world is going to end any day and is an extreme religious fundamentalist, and she refuses to even consider professional help because she no longer trusts anyone. Etc. Um... One small step for conspiracies. I'm a teacher and I watch serious documentaries about Apollo 11, but YouTube's recommendations are now full about videos about conspiracy theories about 9-11, Hitler's escape, alien seekers, anti-American propaganda. You get these stories and where they're going. Essentially, I, or better yet, a loved one, someone that I am concerned about, is getting recommended videos that I don't like. And what is YouTube gonna do about it? is the essential thrust of all of these stories. Giant asterisk, this is anecdata. We don't even know where these stories are coming from, if these are even real human beings, but I'm sure we can all relate enough, right? And let's not blame the fact that your father is lonely and spends his days consuming nothing but YouTube content. Let's Let's not blame that on, oh, I don't know, his family not visiting him or not spending time with him. No, it's YouTube's fault for existing (laughs) and recommending videos that he likes to watch. Or this ex-wife with presumably diagnosed mental health problems, literal schizophrenic or whatever, who is getting rabbit-holed by YouTube, and it's YouTube's fault that my wife is mentally ill. Uh, Things along these lines. Um, Again, there there is sympathy to ha- to be had with some of these people and their situations and their predicaments. Uh, let's not be cold-hearted about this. However, of course we know that this is not being said to evoke human sympathy. This is being done as part of a campaign. And campaigns are in order to drum up public support for public policy decisions that will be implemented by governments, always, of course, with the implied force of the gun to back up 
the government's edicts. And uh, yes, wouldn't it be great if the FCC came in and regulated YouTube to tell people you can't put that 9-11 conspiracy theory stuff up on YouTube. You, you can't have this up there. You can't do that. Or at the very least, you can't you can't recommend that stuff to people because it will make them want to watch more. Um, it's it's an interesting predicament. So to, to find out more about this campaign, where it's coming from, what it's attempting to do, there is an About YouTube Regrets page at Mozilla, which again, I will of course link up in the show notes so you can go and check it out. Uh, but they explain what is YouTube Regrets. Hashtag YouTube Regrets is a crowdsourced public awareness campaign run by the nonprofit Mozilla. Mozilla collected YouTube users' stories about the platform's recommendation engine, leading them down bizarre and sometimes dangerous pathways. This work was catalyzed by our own research on trustworthy AI, by stories in the New York Times and other publications, and by YouTube engineers who have spoken out. And what constitutes bizarre and dangerous content? Well, our campaign is an attempt to find out. We gave no specific guidance on what these stories should be about, so submissions were from people who self-identified particular content as being bizarre or dangerous. Stallions doing mares. Uh, why does Mozilla care about this? YouTube regrets as part of Mozilla's larger focus to ensure that in a world of AI, consumer technology helps rather than harms humanity. We believe that AI should be designed with personal agency in mind interesting, and that companies should be held to account when their AI harms people. You can learn more about our campaign to hold YouTube accountable here, and you can learn more about Mozilla's trustworthy AI work here. Should this content content be removed, we're not advocating for specific content to be banned or removed. Rather, our campaign is focused on reach, drawing attention to the way that AI in the form of recommendation engines can amplify certain types of content more than others. We believe there should be greater transparency around YouTube's methods for determining what gets recommended. It's up to YouTube to determine what kind of content their site encourages and recommends, and they must build social responsibility into their recommendation engine in the same way that uh, they have optimized for user engagement. So then it's into the how were the stories co collected and what do you hope to achieve. Uh, in early August, we sent a letter to YouTube expressing our concerns about their content recommendation engine and providing a concrete list of things that the company should do to improve. We met with Google and YouTube representatives on the 20th of September to discuss the demands outlined in the letter and ask them the following. Can you work with independent researchers to verify your own claim that changes you have made to your recommendation algorithm have resulted in a 50% reduction in borderline content recommendation? recommended to users in the U.S., and what can you commit to doing on an ongoing basis to work with researchers and make data available to them to study the scale of this problem and the efficacy of solutions that you implement. And perhaps you can hear the helicopter in the background, no doubt a government black helicopter that's coming to take me away because I watch too many YouTube conspiracy videos. Uh, and then you can read more about our demands and YouTube's responses here. We are using hashtag YouTube regrets to continue raising awareness about the harms of YouTube's content recommendation engine. Okay, so a couple of things to note about the type of language and rhetoric they are using to describe this YouTube regrets campaign. One of which is the old Jedi mind trick of saying 
the opposite and just expecting people will go along with it. Uh, specifically when they're talking about how we believe that the AI, which they're calling artificial intelligence, of course, it is just an algorithm which takes the content that you've watched and calculates what you are most likely to click on in the future. It's just an algorithm. But at any rate, that what they call the AI should be designed with personal agency in mind. So they are saying that what it should do is empower you as a person, as an individual, to make your own choices. So in order to do that, we have to change the types of choices that you're going to make by recommending you different things. That is, that is creepy on a very fundamental level, because essentially they are saying that you you, yeah, you might actually want to click on these things. And of course, you are the one doing it. No one's got a gun to your head making you do this. But we will tailor your tastes, your outlook on the world, and make empower your personal agency. You have agency to make your own choices as long as we get to decide what choices you get to make. <laughs> that's I mean, again, there's some interesting sort of doublethink going on there. But, of course, the other, I think, operative part of this rhetoric in this uh, blog post is harm. They keep going back to this term harm, that the AI is harming people by recommending certain videos to them. And what videos? Well, we're not going to say. We're leaving that open to your interpretation. But, of course, they are highlighting, uh, again, some that are fail videos that go wrong or body positivity or that sort of thing. And, oh yeah, by the way, information that we don't like on a political or or esoteric or whatever level, that you, that's harm to recommend to people. Look, because this diagnosed mental illness person is mentally ill and is made more mentally ill by watching YouTube videos. All right, well, th that means we should completely tailor the way YouTube videos are recommended. It's the ellipses here, the, the sort of dot, dot, dot. You fill in the rest, guys. We're not saying they should censor anything, only that they should tailor the types of recommendations they make based on these anecdata that we've collected Question mark from real people? Question mark? Maybe? Take our word for it? Ah, sure. <laughs> I mean, you all know stories like this. It's plausible enough. All right. Well, even assuming this is real anecdata, what does that tell us about the way that these recommendations should be made? And, and people who complain because, well, look, he's getting this kind of Bible-friendly Christian content, and he's getting this kind of anti-Christian content. <laughs> so, wait, what What kind of content do you want him to watch? Any, just don't recommend any politics or religion, I suppose, <laughs> right? Uh, it, it's an interesting uh, way that they're trying to frame this issue without looking like they're framing the issue. And if all of this sounds familiar, of course it is because it is familiar. You will recall from my uh, li the Library of Alexandria's on Fire uh, speech that I gave recently at the Justice Rising Conference, I, I talked about the YouTube blog post they made back in January of 2019 about recommendations and how they were going to start tailoring the recommendation to reduce the amount of borderline content they were going to recommend, which, again, what does borderline content mean? It means videos that actually don't violate the YouTube policies or guidelines but we don't like them, <laughs> essentially, is what it means. And of course, you better believe information like what you are seeing on this very channel is the type of information they're referring to there quite explicitly. And then they bragged later on, well, we've, we've managed to reduce the amount of borderline videos being recommended and clicked on by 50% by jiggering the algorithm. 
And Mozilla is asking them, well, where, show us. We want, to, we want proof of that because people are still being fed this harmful content. And of course, it all frames it in this way. Now, the tendency, I think the easy way out of this is to say, oh, that's stupid and people make their own choices and they can click on anything they want or click on, not click on anything they want. And yes, that is technically true. But of course, that is not how humans operate. And there is a genuine question here about recommendation and about the types of things that are offered or put in front of people uh, affecting and influencing the choices that they make and where they ultimately go. In fact, this is something that I've referenced numerous times myself. Yeah, didn't YouTube actually already come out and say, uh, we're, we're, we're going to, what's the word they use, James? We're going to suppress uh, uh, conspiracy theories like 9-11. And um, of course, they're, they're suppressing the current 9-11 right now. But what, what, what do they actually say? And, and, ha and have they begun to do that more so since they said it? Uh, yes. Uh, once again, I will direct people. I, I referenced it in my talk. There was a 25th of January 2019 blog post um, by YouTube called Continuing Our Work to Improve Recommendations on YouTube, the typically Orwellian uh, headline there, which um, went into to detail about how they were going to start uh, tailoring their suggestions for borderline content, what they call content that doesn't actually violate their community guidelines, but that they don't like anyway. And uh, so uh, they said, as I, as I said in the talk, they said, quote, we'll begin reducing recommendations of borderline content and content that could misinform users in harmful ways, such as videos promoting a phony miracle cure for a serious illness, claiming the earth is flat, or making blatantly false claims about historic events like 9-11. So, of course, 9-11, Flat Earth, or whatever, all that, you know, all that crazy conspiracy stuff. We'll just start memory-holing that. Um, not memory-holing. As I say, it's not, they're not burning the book. The book is still there. It's just it's not going to be recommended to you. You'll never see it. And maybe that doesn't affect so much someone like yourself or myself or people who are watching this who are already aware of this information. But I know if the me of 14 years ago had never been recommended those YouTube sidebar recommendations to those crazy 9-11 videos, would I be sitting here right now today doing this? It's a very good question. Maybe I would. Maybe I would have found a different path to that information. Maybe not. So that truly can influence the course of people's lives. So I look at my children growing up in this age, and I wonder what kind of world they're stepping into based on the, the types of algorithm and recommendation and search manipulation that's going on right now, that will vastly impact their lives. And that's what I'm most concerned about. It is a very good question and it is worthy of our consideration. I mean, in its specific form, would I be here sitting here right now talking to you if, lo, those many years ago, YouTube had not placed those recommendations in the sidebar using its 2006 AI recommendation algorithm? And the answer may be yes, but it may very well be no. The course of my life may have been to some extent altered or shaped by that YouTube recommendation algorithm. It is an incredibly powerful tool. And unfortunately for us, I think the social engineers understand that a lot better than the general population understands that. Oh, it's just recommended videos, whatever. It doesn't mean anything. It very well could 
mean some very important things, if not to you specifically, to people in your life, to the population generally. This is an important issue, and in fact, one that I explored in a lot of detail a couple of years ago on the podcast, in a podcast entitled Pricking the Filter Bubble. I will commend that podcast to your attention because I go in-depth on this subject and what it means to that these filter bubbles are forming around us that in many cases we don't even know exist and in other cases we even actively pursue and how do we ever escape those filter bubbles once we've been placed into them these are becoming existential issues especially as the information that we are dealing with and that we are trying to access uh, is becoming more and more occluded from our attention. What does that? What position does that put future generations in who won't even know that that information is there to be accessed because they have literally never been presented with it? These are some very, very important questions. And as I say, this is a tool that the social engineers are well aware can shape the course of human history. It's uh, it's not to be taken lightly. Let's put it that way. So. Of course, the question is then, well, then who are these social engineers? What is their purpose? What are they trying to do? Well, we can take their own words for this, because as I mentioned at the beginning of our little exploration today, this YouTube Regrets campaign is being uh, created and hosted and promoted by the Mozilla Foundation. Mozilla? Mozilla. Well, perhaps... Some of the more tech-savvy and internet-inclined people in the audience will know that Mozilla is, yes, the Mozilla of Mozilla Firefox, the browser that I'm sure a large proportion of the audience is currently using to watch this video on whatever video-sharing platform or CorbettReport.com you happen to be on. And yes, that is the same Mozilla. Specifically, you can get more on the history of the Mozilla project from Mozilla.org. I'll throw the link in the show notes, as always. You can go read through it. But yes, the Mozilla project was created in 1998 with the release of the Netscape browser suite source code. It was intended to harness the creative power of thousands of programmers on the internet and fuel unprecedented levels of innovation in the browser market. So... Here you go. Here's an example of an open source, crowdsource community, a development community in this case that came around with the Netscape open source code. Well, let's take this and develop a better browser. Uh, a few years later, we get Mozilla Firefox and the rest is history. Firefox, of course, going on to Eclipse, Internet Explorer and the other um, major browsers at the time and having the vast majority of browser share for a very long while. And as I say, I'm sure many people have used it. So what on earth is the Mozilla Foundation? And why does, why does some sort of you know, web browser development community, why do they have a foundation and what are they, what are they promoting? Well, you can find some more uh, information on that uh, later on in this history where they say in 2003, the Mozilla Project created the Mozilla Foundation, an independent nonprofit organization supported by individual donors and a variety of companies. The new Mozilla Foundation continued the role of managing the daily operations of the project and also officially took on the role of promoting openness, innovation, and opportunity on the internet. It did this by continuing to release software such as Firefox and Thunderbird and expanding to new areas such as providing grants to support accessibility improvements on the web. Uh-oh, the helicopters! They're coming! Ah! Uh, yes, so if you click through on that Openness, Innovation, and Opportunity tab, you will be taken to the Mozilla Manifesto Addendum Pledge for a Healthy Internet, which 
is uh, part of this Mozilla manifesto that is the foundation for the Mozilla Foundation. Uh, what, it, what is it? What's it about? What are they trying to do? And they have these 10 principles that they enumerate that much like the UN Declaration of Human Rights or the WHO Charter are filled with the wonderful, feel-good, mushy, me meaningless uh, buzzwords that make everyone feel like uh, this is something good and I support it. Whatever it is you're trying to do, I can't quite tell. Uh, the principles, for example, the internet is an integral part of modern life. Water is wet. Uh, the internet is a global public resource that must remain open and accessible. I agree with that vague statement. The internet must enrich the lives of individual human beings. Well, now you're starting to get into sort of strange rhetoric. What does that What does that mean? And what if my definition of, of enrich is different than yours? Who gets to decide what that means for the internet? What? Uh, and here uh, we start to get into some very interesting ones. Uh, for example, principle five, individuals must have the ability to shape the internet and their own experiences on it. Well, this actually goes to the heart of what we're talking about, doesn't it? Because if you have the ability to shape your own experience on the internet, well, what does that mean, for example, on a social media platform like YouTube, where you are having these things recommended to you that clearly are starting to shape your behavior and the s sorts of things that you're, you're doing online? Who then is in control? Are, are you as an individual in control? Well, you're the one choosing to click on these videos, but you're doing so from a limited range of choices that are presented to you. Is it? Hmm, so where does individual, where, where's personal agency in all of this? These are the sorts of things that, of course, these vague, meaningless statements of principle will never quite get to the heart of. Um, but yes, th this is the Mozilla Foundation. These are the principles upon which it's operating. And people might have seen back in 2017 that Mozilla joined the fight against fake news by launching something called the Mozilla Information Trust Initiative, in which they would invest in people, programs, and projects in a new initiative to disrupt misinformation online by doing things like creating tools uh, for uh, Firefox specifically and better online education with media groups, universities, and tech activists. Again, what does any of that mean? Well, I think we're starting to see what it means through things like the hashtag YouTube regrets campaign, where they are encouraging people to come out and share their YouTube regrets, the things you wish you had never seen on YouTube because they plunged you down the rabbit hole. And... If you are interested in sharing your YouTube regrets, well, never fear, you can do so with the Regrets Reporter, an extension for Firefox or Chrome, interestingly. And from the Mozilla Foundation, they wrote a Chrome extension. But anyway, uh, that you can install on your browser. Uh, more information is at the Regrets Reporter page. I'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, got YouTube regrets? And when you go down, have you tumble down rabbit holes of conspiracies and hate? We're investigating why YouTube recommends what it does. You can help. And then it gives you a little spiel on how it works and what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. And you can download the extension so that you can help report videos you don't like. You can click on the frowny face whenever you don't like a video and they'll get the, they'll get the message. You can give your little, your own personal story. Suddenly I'm seeing nothing but stallions doing mares. Do something about this, Mozilla. <laughs> Um, now, the temptation, I, I'm highly tempted to say, people should use this to report their YouTube regrets. Uh, but I will say, no, actually, I very much do not recommend that you install any extension that's going to monitor your YouTube activity and that you can report to Mozilla about, please don't do that. But 
perhaps we can still have a little bit of fun. There is the hashtag YouTube regrets. If you happen to be on one of these controlled uh, social media platforms like Twitter or Instagram or whatever, whatever the kids are into, TikTok, is that still legal? I don't know. Whatever you happen to be on, perhaps you can use the hashtag YouTube regrets to inform the wider public about your own YouTube regrets. What, what videos do you wish you had never seen that sent you down spirals of misinformation into dark places of the web. I mean, I can think of a few off the top of my head. I remember the video about a decade ago that I saw on YouTube. It was a CNN report, but it was on uh, YouTube uh, that was talking about uh, Gaddafi had given his troops Viagra in order to uh, fuel their rape of Libyans that uh, Gaddafi didn't like or something along those lines, or at least that's what the person, the talking head on the TV was saying, and if the FCC regulates it, it must be true, right? Oh, wait, actually, it was a steaming pile of horse manure. It was total nonsense. It was nonsense from the beginning. Anyone who even reported that with a straight face probably does not deserve the title of reporter, but it certainly did appear on CNN and then on YouTube, and that's where I saw it a decade ago. And I can imagine, of course... I, I didn't quite fall down that rabbit hole, but I can imagine watching a video like that and going, oh, well, I think w what we better do is start a humanitarian love bombing of Libya and bomb the ever-loving crap out of that country until the uh, that evil Gaddafi dictator who was feeding Viagra to his troops gets literally sodomized with a knife on the side of the road. That's That'll be great! Yay! And then once that's all done and NATO's had its fun and this, the country's in ruins, ah, who cares? What? O open slave trading in the markets in Libya now? Ah, who cares? Black lives matter, but not in Libya. That's for sure. Because we bombed the crap out of them and we did a good job because I listened to that YouTube video that convinced me that Gaddafi had been giving his troops Viagra. Right? Or maybe you clicked on a video of uh, doc Dr. Nancy Snyderman on... Um, on MSNBC several years ago talking about take the damn vaccine talking about how everyone needs to take the damn flu vaccine and maybe you were inspired by that to go out and get the flu vaccine but as as we examined in a recent uh, episode of Questions for Corbett not only is the flu vaccine directly related to uh, COVID-19 uh, deaths and mortality it's also related to uh, a higher mortality back in the 2017 flu season uh, puzzle me that, yeah. Or even back into the swine flu scare itself. The people who received the uh, the flu the year before the flu vaccine uh, were more likely to be hospitalized for swine flu during the swine flu pandemic that ravaged the universe. Uh, so if you were listening to Dr. Nancy Snyderman on YouTube saying, take your damn flu shot, you might have actually been harmed by that. And I don't mean harm in some sort of, ooh, it, it harms my life. No, literally harmed. Maybe ended up in the hospital, maybe dead, because you were watching that YouTube video. Is that the kind of YouTube video that they're talking about? Or uh, maybe maybe they're talking about when on CNN was was interviewing that that poor little Syrian girl who was asking, why won't the U.S. come in and bomb our country? I want them to bomb our country. As she was literally reading a script quite obviously, literally reading a script that she did not even understand, just mouthing the words in approximate English in the most scripted interview you've ever seen. Maybe you saw that on YouTube and you were motivated to, yeah, maybe we should go bombs ablazing into Syria and kill a bunch of Syrians just like we did in Libya. And we all know how well that turned out. Maybe, maybe that's the kind of YouTube regret that we're talking about. Anyway, 
I I don't know. I I'm not going to I'm not going to define this. I'll let you guys out there define it. But maybe you should play around with that hashtag. Hashtag YouTube regrets. What YouTube videos do you regret having been force-fed by the YouTube algorithm that has sent you down some dark rabbit hole or other? Anyway, just a thought. Maybe we should actually commandeer this hashtag. But uh, as always, I will let you explore all of this material at your leisure, and I will have the links to all of the things that I've cited today in order for you to do so. And I'm looking forward to hearing your own YouTube regrets. This is James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. <laughs>